Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Natalie Ferris. I'm delighted to have Anna. Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. So our case study is five, uh, five Jackson Pollock's therapy. In 1939 to 1940, Jackson Pollock gave his analyst a series of 43 dra- drawings as a means of expressing himself. The the analyst, Dr. Uh, Jay Henderson, sold the drawings in 1959 to a San Francisco art gallery, but Pollock's widow, uh, Lee Krasner, objected to having them uh, publicly exhibited. She said that anything that goes on between analyst and patient is private, about as private as as a confessional. So... First, uh, who was Jackson Pollock? Jackson Pollock was an American painter. He was born in Cody, Wyoming on January 28, 1912, and died on August 11, 1956. His family lived there for 11 months after his birth, and then Pollock never returned to his hometown. He grew up in California and Arizona. He was a leading exponent for abstract expressionism. He uh, he explored themes including surrealistic surrealistic navigation uh, of the unconscious and Jungian symbolism. Mm -hmm. He also lived in New York after moving there in 1930 to study art. And he believed that art derived from the unconscious saw himself as an essential subject of his painting. Mm-hmm. Wow, he had a very interesting life. Yeah, he had an interesting life. <laughs> so, another person from the case study is Dr. Henderson. Dr. Henderson was a Jungian analyst, which is um a specialized form of the psychotherapy based on Jung's approach, which is very uh, unique, and we'll discuss later. Yeah, I have heard that he's part of existentialism school. Yeah, he was, um, Dr. Henderson was the author of five novels, and he was the co-founder of the C.G. Jung Institute in San Francisco. One of the main things was that he was influenced by Carl Jung, and that he was the last of the first generation of Jungian artists who had their primary analysis with Jung. And moreover, he a big part of his professional work dealt with symbols, rights, and the belief structure of the American Indian, which is pretty cool if you think about it. Yeah, I have heard a lot about uh, Carl Jung, and I feel like his um, psychological school is really interesting. Yeah. So another person from the case study is uh, Lee Krasner, which is um, Pollock's widow. She was born in 1908 and died in 1984. She was part of a Russian Jewish uh, refugee family who lived in Brooklyn. She always wanted to study and make art and attended the women's art school at Copper Union and the National Academy of Design. She became a mural painter for the Works uh, Progress Administration in the Depression Era Public Artwork Project. And an 
and an arts activist. In 1937, she studied with the influential teacher and artist Hans Hoffman and joined the American Abstract Artist. She was a pioneer of abstract expressionism and she was also one of the Creek Crusades for Jackson's Pollock's legacy. Actually, um, a lot of people say that Jackson uh, Pollock really benefited, benefited from uh, her contacts and her image. Oh, wow. So Krasner introduced Pollock to a lot of artists and galleries, more, most importantly to the art critic Clement Greenberg, who became a champion of Pollock's work. In 1945, uh, Krasner and Pollock married and moved out to Springs East Hampton on the east end of Long Island to get away from the city scene. In 1956, while Krasner was in Europe, uh, Pollock died in a car crash. A year later, she moved into the barn studio that she and Pollock had used as a property and her painting uh, escalated a lot in energy. So she had a really um, hard life and they both shared their passion for uh, painting, which is, I think, what brought them together. But yeah, yeah what I have been reading about them is that um, Pollock benefited a lot from her because she was already like well known in the artist world. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like she like went through a lot and like just together they were like were both artists, which is pretty cool. Like. I don't think we see that a lot where there's two artists married to each other. No, it's weird. <laughs> and like she kind of understands like what he's like, what he needs to do for art and like he understands what she needs to do. Yeah, it's just pretty cool. Yeah. So. so <laughs> sorry, <laughs> keep going. So analysts, um, they're essentially like therapists um analysts work with their patients to increase their the consciousness of the patient and doing this will improve like provide psychological balance and relief to the suffering of the patient which is like essentially um Zhang's approach which is pretty unique to what was then used which is commonly like shock therapy and like you know just unethical approaches that you know we are no longer using yeah yeah, I think um I have heard I have never heard before the word analyst. I'm actually a psychology <laughs> student and I've always known the word therapist, but I realize now that analyst is the same thing. So it was <laughs> a good finding for me. Yeah. So what was happening in the world um when Pollock was uh painting and he was becoming famous and going through all of his uh, depression and alcoholism phase. Well, basically, uh, he lived through a uh, world uh, war two, and also uh, the Great Depression, which is what I think marked him the most. What I read about him is that he had a really important position in an art gallery. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he was, let's say, covered financially. In the Great Depression, so he didn't have like it didn't um shock him that much. Yeah. Like it didn't affect him that much. How do you think psychology was viewing 
these years, like the same years that the World War II and the Great Depression happened? So around like 1939 and 1940, therapy and like psychology was like forgotten and it was like no longer believed to be useful since what the World War One had already finished and like people were like recovering and there were also like fewer therapists available which mm -hmm. is what um also contributed to like the like the forgottenness of mm -hmm. and then there was also like military personnel from World War Two that believed that mental illnesses and shell shock could be prevented with like training and preparing the person which was later to be found not true as you can tell and later on in like 1959 um therapy became to like grow more since um there were more people dedicated to it and there was a person-centered approach that was created that really advanced the therapy that we know now and there were also many psychodynamic therapies that were introduced and later expanded the psychology and therapy that we know now which is pretty cool and a great way to see the advance in therapy from about a 10-year difference yeah it was for sure a hard time to be um mentally unstable yeah. because therapy was not what it is today so I think the help you could get was really minimal yeah, yeah. the methods that they would use was also like pretty like harsh they would use like electroshock and just like just like other hard methods that are no longer used now yeah I mean. okay so um I have read also that um Pollock uh struggled with mostly with um, alcoholism and depression. So he struggled with both of them and his brothers encouraged him to seek for treatment, which he did. He was admitted in a psychological facility, in a psych psychiatric facility, sorry, for four months. Um, and he was good for a couple of years, but then he suffered a setback in the form of a nervous breakdown. While the therapy was not successful in curing uh, his drinking problem or his depression, I, like I said, he did have uh, he did had um two years of absolute sobriety, uh, in which he created wonderful pieces of work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, okay. we can we can see we can see by all what we have said that he did had a hard life and that you know he suffered from depression and alcoholism so that should have been hard on his wife too yeah you know it impacts everything in your life not it affects life. everyone around them not just them yeah so what do you think now about the case study there are like different ways that we can approach this based on the different questions that are provided Mm -hmm. So here it says, continuing from the case study, Pollock's widow died in 1985. Should her wishes concerning by her husband's drawings be respected, or is it appropriate to exhibit them now? Should her wishes have been respected prior to her death, or would it have been all right to exhibit the drawings despite her objections, since she did not own them? 
was the analyst justified for selling the drawings in the first place or should he have kept them and had them destroyed at his own death? Does the fact that these drawings were part of Pollock's therapy have any bearing on their status as art? So going off, based off the first question, should her wishes be concerning her husband's drawings be respected? I feel like her drawings should have been, like her wishes should have been respected since she is his wife after a spouse's death, usually the significant other does always have um, jurisdiction as to what their belongings are done with, you know, instead of being sold by the analyst. So, oh, sorry, I interrupted no. you. What do you think? Oh, so I do believe that her wishes uh, should have been respect. As I mentioned before, um, in the psychological field. So I know that the code between the patient and the therapist should not be broken. Like she said, is um she said here somewhere. Oh, yeah, it is as private as a confessional. Yeah. So it shouldn't be broken unless obviously this person's life is at risk or like um he has done something that has to be has to be like informed to the police. <laughs> But on the other hand, I know this is like a really subjective uh, topic and everyone's points of view is going to be different. Every social group has different values and ethical standards. So what is wrong for me could be okay for you, for example. It depends on who you ask. But in my opinion, the analyst um, knew what he was doing, knew he was breaking the code, and that his wife was the one with the right and the choice to make, not him. So he should have respected the wishes. I feel like also something that could have influenced was that maybe the code between doctor and patient was never established at that point since, you know, therapy yeah. was like a new field. So maybe yeah. it wasn't established yet. You know. Yeah, maybe it was not established there, or maybe he thought since he's dead, there's no code anymore, so I don't care about that. Yeah. But yeah. So do you think her wishes um should have been respected prior to her death, or it would have been all right to exhibit the drawings despite the objections since she did not owe them anymore? Do you want me to tell you my opinion, or you want to say it first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so as I mentioned before, I do believe that he didn't have the right to sell any of his work, mm -hmm. uh, Pollock's work. But some people might think that he had the right and probably their answer would be related to the fact that he gave, so Pollock gave these paintings to him. Yeah. He handed them. So probably like some people might think basically the analyst owns them now from the mm -hmm. moment from the moment Polo gave them to him, he is the owner, you know? Yeah. So we could say that after gaining ownership of the paintings, the analyst was trying to apply uh, Plato's argument about sharing the art that can be benefit a benefit to the population. We know that Pollock's art was inspiring for a lot of people. So mm -hmm. maybe he saw it as a way of obviously profiting himself, but also making his work like being recognized. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel like her wishes should have been respected. And because, you know, she's his wife and like who, like, you know, Pollock also gave the analyst these things to him with 
the knowledge that he could trust him since he was his therapist and that all their conversations would be private, you know. But like once he dies, you know, that trust has to then go to the wife and, you know, it's very different in every situation. Yeah, I feel like it's a hard, um, it's hard to say what is wrong and what is right here. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to depend on your values, your ethics, your culture, how you were raised. Yeah. This entire so, thing depends on, like, the ethics of the person and, like, the ethics at that time, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think uh, is the answer to the next, next question? What is your opinion on that? So the next question is, um, was the analyst was the analyst justified for selling the drawings in the first place, or should he have kept them and had them destroyed by his own death? Mm -hmm. I believe that the analyst was not justified for selling them, and that he should have like kept them since the painting was only given to him with the intention of him only seeing them, which yeah. means they carry like a different type of emotion and like meaning to Pollock and how they were his expression of his alcohol alcoholism and depression and everything that he was going through in that moment. Mm -hmm. I feel like they should have kept them and maybe not have destroyed them, but maybe given them to his wife instead, since it is like the last, one of the last things that um, Pollock did draw. So I feel like his wife could have had that for like a last, um, remembrance of her husband mm -hmm. no longer there you know yeah I get what you're saying actually and what I think is that yeah like you said he should have like maybe give it give it to them to his to his wife like return the drawings mm -hmm. and let's say he didn't do that he like claimed them as his own he's now the owner of them maybe sorry maybe it would have been justified if his only reason was to keep uh Pollock's work alive like if he wanted the world to know his work even though he's dead but we know that he started benef uh, benefiting from it profiting uh making money from these drawings yeah so this shows that he did not only care about like Pollock's work being known he cared about like the money so it is not okay to profit from someone else's work. Yeah. It's, yeah. I feel like it's almost the same as like um, replicating it and saying it's his own work, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it should have been destroyed. I think he should have like looked for a, an alternative to make his work known after he was dead, but yeah. not like yeah. claim it as his own as if he was the one drawing them. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. So he took advantage of his patient and therapist uh, confidence agreement and he benefited, he benefited from it. So I don't, like, I don't agree with that. I don't think it's eth ethically right, in my opinion. And I feel like there was even more of a benefit since when an artist, once an artist dies, the value of any painting that they made goes up exponentially since obviously that artist would no longer be producing any more paintings i feel like yeah. he even more than totally i agree with that mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Actually, the other question for the case study is about like how the drawings um help the status of Pollock's art. So yeah. does the fact that these drawings were part of Pollock's therapy have any bearing on their status of as art? And mm -hmm. yes, in my opinion, um, the fact that these drawings were done in a really private setting and that as you said, they reveal like a really deep part of him that no one else has seen except uh, from his therapist. Yes. Gives like gives the gives the art more value in the eyes of everyone outside of like yeah. the therapy and part of. Yeah, that's essentially what I was gonna say. That these paintings, they're like a part of Pollock that nobody has seen before. Well, those paintings carry like a whole different meaning. They have much more emotion and it's just a whole different part of Pollock than we've seen before. So yeah. their art, stat their status as art goes up exponentially. Their like meaning and emotion is just greater than those previous due to what Pollock was going to going through in that time. And also and these these paintings have even more of a status as art since once Pollock died, their economic value went up and which greatly <laughs> influences everybody. And their historical value also went up since it was a time of World War II and you know the Great Depression and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Obviously, Henderson benefited from it. He didn't care about his wife's opinion. Yeah. But yeah. So thank you for joining us today. And uh, Natalie, I appreciate it. This uh, concludes Exploring Art Podcast. Uh, subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye.